0: Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. In today's discussion, I'm speaking with Leslie Davis. And what a rock star Leslie is, after spending 20 plus years as a high flying litigator, inspired originally by the role she played, the small role she played in the O.J. Simpson trial, she's decided to take on the current role of the CEO of NAMWF, the National Association of Minority and Women-Owned Law Firms, to really see if she can move the needle or move the dial in relation to diversity and inclusion for minority and women-owned law firms in the US and raise the profile of those firms across the GC community. So it's a fantastic story. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So as usual, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Leslie. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Leslie, you've been a commercial litigator for the last twenty years or so before joining Namworth, and we're going to do a deep dive into Namworth. But tell us a little bit about the Leslie Davis story and the journey that you've been on to date in your career.
1: Oh, that that Where story. To start? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's been a good story, but a, a feeling like it's been a long journey in some respects. Though since I'm only twenty-one, I guess it hasn't been that. Yeah, long.
0: that...
1: <laughs> but I, you know, I'm a first-generation lawyer. I am an only child and an only grandchild. And so some would say that I started off spoiled rotten, which is not true, but went to the University of Iowa for all of my education, undergrad, graduate school, and law school. And just from there, worked at Court TV during the O.J. Simpson trial. When I say that now to young folks, young lawyers, they're like, huh, what? Yeah, I think I heard about that. Now, But, that well, but was, when you
0: say it to someone like me, I go, it, what? I didn't, yeah. th- My research did not pick that up. Is that it, right?
1: That's tell right. Us a,
0: t- that tell was us my first job that. That. right yeah. out of law
1: school. I uh, started working at Court TV in New York, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. I was doing a legal analysis and also doing some uh, few on-air things. And I also really was working on a, a live television show, uh, which was Primetime Justice, which Terry Moran, who is now the ABC correspondent to the White House, he was the talent for that show. And he wasn't a lawyer, so I was doing like the fact checking in the background, but he was a phenomenal yeah. talent. And so it was easy to work with him. So long story short that was my introduction really into real work after getting out of law school and it was phenomenal
0: but and after, How can you not get hooked? How could you not get I, hooked having worked on the O.J. Simpson trial and to become I was a lifetime hooked. litigator?
1: Mm-hmm. That's yep. exactly it. I got hooked actually in law school while I was a journalist working for the Daily Iowa newspaper. I often say that uh, the law found me. It, it chose me because when I was thinking that I was going to be a journalist after undergraduate school, I was at the courts, uh, at the trials, doing uh, the stories about them. And it, and I'd be so engrossed in what was going on that I would forget to write what I needed for my story. And so it occurred to me at one point, I, I think I could do this. Yep. Instead of writing about the trials, I could be the lawyer. And, you know, some say you can't be what you can't see. And I had not really ever seen trial lawyers doing their thing. That was before there was televised trials. So I had never seen it. You know, Luckily, I had never been a part of the judicial system. So I didn't know what it it looked like. And so to that end, that's when I first got hooked. And then after that, after Court TV, I came back to Chicago, you know, knew that I wanted to be doing trial work, got right in to a a defense firm that then allowed me to do the kind of work that I, you know, started to love trying cases. And then the rest is history. I went to a few different firms. I kind of grew up in the firm sunshine Shine, Nathan, Rosenthal, um, because I was a, a associate there and then partner, equity partner. And so it had been a storied kind of career uh, because I have have just been able to do the kinds of things that I wanted to do during my career. And it's been great. And so prior to coming to NAMWOLF, I uh, was at another firm. And so this is my first foray into really non-legal work. Um, it's yep. legal facing, but yep. I don't have a, a ton of cases right next to me that are yep. you know, awaiting my attention. Yep. And so yep. um, it's been great. And that's really, and along the way, I was fortunate enough to get married and have two kids. And so it's been really great.
0: Oh, what what a fantastic journey so far. Twenty years, the last twenty years a, as a commercial or as a partner in commercial litigation role. Mm-hmm. But then the switch to take on the role of the CEO of Nam Wolfton National Association of minority and women-owned law firms. Tell us about the thinking, the build-up to that, and what made you, you know, switch careers to take on that role.
1: So I've been saying to people all along that I've been a black woman for as long as I can remember. And so <laughs> to that end, even though I haven't been in a Wolf firm, I've been nail wolf adjacent because many yep. of the challenges and the things that uh, many of our minority and women-owned law firms face are things that I also faced, even though I was in a large law firm or my, yep. m- the majority of my career, being a minority woman uh, in those settings is not an easy task. And so many of the same challenges that Naamble firms face are ones that I faced in terms yep. of, you know, wanting to be included and given the credit that you deserve and, you know, all those kinds of things and being able to take your rightful seat, you know, leading certain teams and, and all of those kinds of things. And so that's something that I was very familiar with. And I loved private practice. I still, I, I love being a lawyer and I loved trial work. I consider myself a trial hound. Yeah. My, you know, The best times of my life were when I was trying cases and I love doing legal work. But I also recognized that there was a way to be uh, more impactful because business development was also a part of my daily life and what I had to do in order to be successful. And I often felt that I could be impactful in a different way. And so having been a litigator and a lawyer for 25 years, I said to myself, you know, when it's all over and they say ashes to ashes and dust to dust, do you want the only thing that anybody's able to say is that she was a good lawyer, she mentored people, she did a great job at the firms that she worked in. I wanted folks to be able to say more and I wanted to be able to make more of a difference more of an impact. And so when this opportunity at NAMWOLF came along when I recognized that NAMWOLF was searching for its new CEO it seemed like a perfect match because it is legal facing I still get to interact with many of the same folks whom I had developed relationships with as a lawyer, and then add to that relationship or that cadre of relationships, NAML firms and other lawyers who are like-minded and have similar backgrounds and experiences and are Looking to move the DEI needle, the diversity in particular in the legal profession, just like I've tried to do all these years, uh, but I was doing it for myself or my firm or my team. Yep. And now I get to do it for hundred and, community. you yep. know, 200 lawyers over 43 states. So yep. that's phenomenal.
0: And I suppose lots of GCs listening to the podcast, well, we hope. Tell us more about the goals of NAMWOLF, the, the the goals that you're setting for yourself over the course of the next 12, 24 months and beyond, and how GCs of the legal community out there can can help you achieve and NAMWOLF achieve its goals.
1: Oh, that's a great question. And and yep. I could say so much about that. Yep. So people have asked me, what's my vision? I've tried to find something really you know, clever and wonderful to say about it. And the truth of the matter is when you really look at the mission of NAMWOLF, it's very narrow. It's really to increase the utilization of minority and women-owned law firms. And by doing that, to increase diversity in the profession. And so to that end, that mission really is my vision and so part of what I'm trying to do as the as the CEO of the organization is really to increase that utilization, yeah. meaning that the way in which general counsel can be helpful is just to really be intentional and thoughtful about how their legal providers are staffing their cases and who they're utilizing. So many times in my career, I have either had GCs who were willing to get in there, understand the dynamics, know what was going on, require that the folks who were doing the hiring were being thoughtful and definitely including minorities and women in their hiring. Or I've had those who just found it too cumbersome to try to figure it all out and to to require anybody to do anything differently. And so they said they were, interested in seeing the diversity needle move in a positive direction, but they didn't do anything toward it. And I think at this point, kind of everybody knows that the client is the driver for lots of change. So whatever the client says and the GC's demand and the deputies and the folks who are doing the hiring, what they demand, they will get. And so when I hear people say that they don't want to be involved in the business of the firms or they don't want to have to strong arm anybody into making different decisions. And and I guess the most egregious thing I hear is we don't want to cut off longstanding relationships in order to build new ones. It really um, sticks in my craw and and it's a a source of frustration because no one's asking anybody to stop relationships that they already have or to in any way utilize diverse firms if they're not qualified or if they don't have the expertise. All that anyone is really asking is that the diverse firms get a fair shake and that they also are given the opportunity to showcase their talents and get the work that they are experts in and that they are so deserving of. Because I think we do know that diverse teams yield better results. And so the GCs can really help all of the efforts and in particular help NAMWOLF by insisting that the folks who do their legal work really think about utilizing more minority and women-owned law firms. And obviously, I want them to be utilizing NAMW firms. And if they're being thoughtful and intentional about that, we will see the kind of increase in the diversity legal spin that I think we you know, we need and the corporations need. Regardless of whether they know it or not, yep. they will get a better work product when you have a diversity of thought coming to any problem. And so that's really the biggest way they can be helpful.
0: And Leslie, if we just think about the last 12 months, it has been significantly different from the time before that, at least in terms of an awareness and certainly from the discussions that we have been having with senior legal leadership teams and general counsels, the move and the deliberate action now being taken towards choosing diverse teams is is certainly from what we've seen very different from what it was let's say prior to the last 12 months and it is if it's not the number one issue that's been raised in discussions in the it's in the top two two or three along with you know managing costs and so forth so it's very different certainly from the discussions we were having several years ago and some some of what I've heard is we have to move the needle we have to be deliberate. We're not sure exactly how, right through to firm to, to in-house teams that have been very deliberate all along and are now just accelerating efforts. So certainly raising the profile of Namble firms and you know anything we can do certainly on this show to do that would be great, but it does feel like a different sense or a greater sense of urgency now than certainly several years ago. Do you agree or do you think there's lots of, is it window dressing? You, you tell me.
1: Well, I certainly agree that because of the events of last summer with George Floyd and the coup of the Capitol and just all kinds of things we've been seeing happening across our nation, that there is a real understanding that at the very least, there needs to be conversation about what's going on, the way in which we treat one another, include one another. And I think that trickles into business in terms of the opportunities that we give to deserving folks and the way in which we ensure that unconscious bias and microaggressions aren't the leaders of the day. And so, To that end, I think absolutely lots of people who may have in the past been able to just kind of keep their heads down and and work and not worry about some of these things are really being asked to be thoughtful, both internally by the folks who work in those corporations or law firms and also by external forces that are saying, hey, if you are not a part of the solution, you are certainly part of the problem. I think there's not a lot of space, that neutral space to yep. just sit in and I window dressing is in that neutral space where there is maybe the thought that it would be a good thing to do or less than robust try to really do something. The time for that is gone. Yep. And the time for real action really is now. And that has been my experience already in this position. I haven't had to do much cold calling. People are calling me to say, hey, we know about NAMWOLF. We know about you. We know about the opportunities that are available. If we utilize NAMWOLF firms, we know about their expertise and we're ready. Put me in the game, coach. And so to that end, it has been really good to have those conversations and to talk to people who before maybe just hadn't been so intentional or making time to be intentional and thoughtful about how they could really help, they're ready and they're doing it. And I think we will see great strides because of that.
0: Well, I can certainly tell you from Pursuit perspective, in which in-house teams are inviting law firms to submit proposals for, for their external work, we've had a huge positive reaction to having raised the profile of NAMWOF lawyers on the Pursuit platform so that in-house managing counsel who are selecting or certainly inviting law firms to submit proposals, being having that choice of being able to have basically the NAML firms up front and centre has made an enormous difference and it's been just one of the ways they've been looking for to be much more deliberate so that amongst their panel firms inviting the 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 usual names being able to say actually who in addition to the usual names can we bring to you know to put a team together and submit a proposal so it's certainly been a fantastic achievement for the pursuit team and seeing the in-house teams the way they've been reacting to that and the managing council that that, that's been uh, that's been fantastic too so there's definitely a significant appetite out there there's some learning to be done on the how it seems to me but there's been as i said certainly a significant appetite
1: for sure i agree with that completely
0: yeah yeah for the gcs out there who have been thinking about but really haven't been all that deliberate and now is the time what are the first initial steps you think they could be taking is it as simple as just contacting nam wolf understanding a little bit more about what kind of um, what the sh- opportunities are out there
1: so yes it's it's really pretty simple in terms of just how you get engaged obviously creating relationships and building relationships takes time and that's not simple but just in terms of uh, getting engaged with NAMWOLF, that is pretty simple because from the corporate side, there's no cost for corporations to be a part of NAMWOLF. All that's really required is just that you reach out. You can reach out via the website. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to anybody on our team and just say either, you know, we're looking to meet NAMWOLF firms that have certain criteria or expertise and we then uh, go to our firms, get the information. Oftentimes we do it anonymously so that nobody's keeping score in terms of how many times somebody asks and they actually give work. The whole goal is to make the right fit, is to bring the right parties together. And so- Once we gather the information that we've been told that that you're looking for, we put it together, give it to the corporation, and then they have the opportunity to peruse the information. If there seems like there's a fit for somebody who has the expertise that's being sought, then we make the introduction. And from there, kind of away you go. Um, Then it's your relationship. And we kind of step back. And so in that way, we make it really easy. Uh, You can, there's a form on the website you can fill out giving us that information. You can call us to ask about what you need and we'll take that information. You can email us. And so really once you identify what your need is, then we make sure that we connect you with the firms that do that particular work that have that expertise. In whatever geographic location you're looking for, if that matters, yep. and then we we connect you. And so it's really that simple. Then from there, you know, the work continues. You interview the the firms. Sometimes firms already know of the already are already working with somebody in your industry or, or not. But from there, there's a lot of synergy there that can be created from just putting the folks together. And so we have lots of corporate partners who started that way. And now they utilize many, many Namwell firms. And so what started with just one has expanded and grown. And so that's ex- that's exactly what we hope to have happen. And that's what has happened for many of our corporate partners. And you know, it doesn't always work. I think there's been a few hiccups here and there where maybe the match seemed correct and it wasn't quite the right fit, but that's going to happen with any
0: relationship
1: and with any legal services provider. I've been in large law firms my whole career, and I can think of many occasions where we thought it was the right fit with a client and not so much. So it happens in the profession period.
0: And Leslie, projecting out a few years, let's say we're two or three years out and you're looking back and you said to yourself, I really nailed that. (laughs) <laughs> that was a great period move the needle what is that actually for you what does that look like and i know you'd be, you be you will have thought about this because as a litigator you're always planning you're strategizing you're, you know you're looking at you visualizing what the end game is what is it for you in a few years time if you're high fiving why
1: so my high fiving will look like there has been increased utilization of name yeah, firms simple as that we've brought yeah. more firms into the fold and we now have NAMWL firms in every state, all 50 states, and that the utilization rates for NAMWL firms is high, high as it's ever been, and that we've been able to capture some of that data and be able to talk to anybody and everybody about what that looks like. And mostly um, that we have seen that the time and effort that we've all been putting in has mattered and that we've seen not just NAMWL firms thrive and prosper, which is obviously the goal, but that we've seen diversity in our profession go up, that we've seen the needle move for minority and women-owned law firms, as well as minority and women lawyers across the board. And so that would be the double high five, that NAMWOLF is thriving and doing great, and that the profession has increased in its diversity as well.
0: Now, Leslie, you're a successful, highly successful, female minority lawyer great career tell me when you when you look back what are some of the crossroads the turning points the real influencing factors for you that that made the kind of impact to bring you to where you're here today, and you know the kind of the kind of person that you are.
1: So I've, I've thought about that many times, and I've talked about this quite a lot as well. There's been a few times where I think that I was at a crossroads, and I could have went one way or the other. So yeah. I've been fortunate to have a lot of family support my whole life. I think I started out by saying I was a, an only child and only <laughs> grandchild, so there's been no shortage of love and support from the family perspective. But from the career perspective, I I am a first generation lawyer and so there weren't a lot of people who I knew closely who could help guide my career. And so I relied upon folks who I was working with and who I got to know who really made a difference for me. And so I grew up, I would say, in the legal profession while at what was then Sunshine Nathan Rosenthal. I spent the majority of my career there. And when I think back to my time there, there has been several folks at the firm, some of which did who didn't look like me, who were white males, who took an interest in me and who really um, helped me along the way. And those were the folks who were in the rooms that I was was not in, and there were not rooms where other people who looked like me were in, who were able to guide me and give me help and give me advice that was crucial in my being able to navigate some of the challenges that I found myself in. In particular, when I was uh, up for partner, I uh, was pregnant with my son, He's, he's now 17. And that was a real, I think, pivotal time. That was a real crossroad for me because at that point, your life is changing. I was already married and that was a change, but bringing another human being into the world was a big change. And I had to make some decisions about whether I would be moving you know, forward with my career, or maybe I would step back and make a different move that would allow me a little bit more time at home and things like that. And so I had partners, and in particular, the head of the litigation group at that time, his name was Rob Johnson. You know, I spent a lot of time talking to him about what my career would look like, you know, after uh, having my son and um, how I would Uh, be perceived and making partner and all of those things. And he was really instrumental in giving me the encouragement that I needed to kind of move straight ahead with the path that I was already on and providing me opportunities to work with people who understood what it was like to be a newlywed and a new mother and an African-American woman trying to become partner. And so I think back to those times and I didn't realize at the time that the ways in which I was being helped and guided and, and really mentored were going to make all the difference But it really did, because I think at that point in my career, if I had had folks who were really rooting against me, not trying to be helpful, not being thoughtful, not being attentive, totally oblivious to what I was going through, I may not have been able to stay the course. And so I thought many times that I should probably... You know, tell them that. But I think they know that. And at the time when they were doing that, they knew that. And I didn't. I remember particularly sitting in his office and saying, hey, I hope I'm not going to be passed up for partner because I am you know, pregnant. I'm going to be having my son because as soon as I have this baby, I'm going to be back just like I was before, like it yep. never happened, full steam ahead. And I remember like it was yesterday. He sat back in his chair. He has three kids saying, mm-hmm. And I know you believe that to be true. And that's really all he said. And I have laughed yep. many, many, many times since then about how well, naive I was, about how that was really going to change things in my life.
0: Well, a, a shout out then to Rob Johnson at that <laughs> point of your career. I mean, that that is a, that is a fantastic story. And I, I'm not sure that we all recognize how important it is those nudges, those influences, those discussions, and those steering in the right direction—certainly, as you know, as as you get a little bit older, I think you actually forget sometimes how important it is to to those that are uh, earlier in their career to 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 be that kind of influence and the kind of impact it can have. Look, look at. So you you could have stepped back it would have been a very different presumably a very different Leslie Davis and mm-hmm. your, your future or you could have been nudged forward a little bit and that's what it sounds like happened just a little nudge in the right direction so For sure. that that's a great crossroads story um a, a, any others that come to mind that you'd like to share Leslie
1: Well the only thing I would share really in terms of that is that there were times in my career where I had to take risks I had to yeah. and I had to really encourage myself because there were folks who weren't as helpful and thoughtful, who unfairly judged me or purposely left me out of opportunities, who in fact even took opportunities away from me or purposely didn't include me and tried to make me feel less than or not smart or all those kinds of things. And I don't choose to focus on those because I recognize that some of those challenges And some of those people who were very difficult and hard to deal with, they helped make me stronger. Whoever said it, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, certainly it didn't kill me. And it did make, make me stronger because there were days that I had to look in the mirror and say to myself, you are valuable. You are worthy. You are smart. You can do this. You believe in you. There are others who do too. They are not right. They are wrong. And I have had to give myself that speech many a day. And luckily I had, you know, great parents and a wonderful grandmother who had given me that speech from day one. And so when there were those who tried to make me feel that none of those things were true, it had already been ingrained in me since I was born that, you know, great things were my destiny and that all things are going to work together for my good. If I had faith, And so it was that faith that bolstered me. And it was those words that let me know that I was the head and not the tail and that I could stand on those in those rough times. And so, you know, those crossroad moments came on a miscellaneous Tuesday or awkward Saturday. Things that I don't have a specific memory of, but I just know when they were happening I had the strength I needed because there were those who were in my life who were, gave me that perspective that was totally important throughout those other crossroad moments or those highs and lows throughout my career
0: and Leslie that that self belief that that ability to be able to have those kind of discussions with yourself you know you talked about the family support you talked about how you grew up being told exactly those things that you repeat yourself i do you know i think to myself if you hadn't or we hadn't been as fortunate when we were younger to have that self belief to have that that kind of courage and conviction and just how important it is even if it's not your immediate children and family to be able to be an influence Absolutely. to those around you because it is that those moments where you could say something else to yourself because you didn't have that kind of support and that upbringing part of it breaks my heart to think that, that there are people that don't have that and so don't then won't say the right things to themselves at the right mm-hmm. moment and and so whatever we as a generation and as a community can do to get that encouragement. So, you know, those that are younger are saying the right things to themselves at those critical moments. Well, that's why
1: I think that mentoring is so important. Absolutely. And I have mentored my whole career. And I've not just mentored folks who are younger than me in the law, but I have mentored all along the way. And now that I have children, I try to mentor other children. And really, I have been mentored by lots of great people, both in House counsel and other partners who I've worked with uh, in the legal profession, as well as even junior lawyers. I am really proud. One of the lawyers who I mentored the first day of her, when she was a summer associate, is now an equity partner at Jenner, Precious Jacobs. And I am so proud of her. She's not just a mentee, she's a friend now, And, uh, and she's a mentor. And so I think that when we continue to give in a very honest and intentional way, we see the fruits of our labor. And I hope that the folks who have mentored me, and there have been a lot, you know, see that any of the things that I've been able to achieve are in part because I've had the support and the mentoring and the great advice and the A guidance of folks who have been great mentors. And so I just, I don't, I can't say enough about how important that is the relationships, the mentoring, and even the folks who don't have that at home. I always tell young lawyers that you should take every interaction with a person as an opportunity to create a relationship of some sort. You never know when you're going to see people again, you never know what that's going to look like. And when you're going to need somebody or they're going to need you, and so I do try to leave, even the situations that were not so pleasant, I do try to leave even those situations on a high note, recognizing that you, you never know how these yep. cookies are going to crumble.
0: I love that. And it's something I have to say, I, I, I talk about a lot, every interaction as an opportunity. Every time you speak to someone, you deal with someone, that makes an impact of some kind. And that trail you leave or that print, and it is a print, it, it is so critical. I think I'm gonna you know, when I'm doing any kind of mentoring, I, that's what I talk about, just remember. And so that if those interactions are the right kind of interactions and the impact that you've left is the right impact, when the time and the opportunity comes, something that you might never have seen, I, I, I talk about, you know an opportunity and someone says hey hang on i know someone who might fit mm-hmm. that role and i always say be that someone if your interactions have been right and deliberate and impactful no matter how small then when those opportunities come up that i know someone opportunity gives you know the, the best pro- you know the best prospect of being that someone that's certainly something i you know, one of my favorite stories i like to tell to whoever's listening <laughs> <laughs> understood and the other you know the thing you've talked about leslie which is a big theme on this podcast too is um when looking back it's always about the impact on people rather than the 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 personal achievements and i think you've 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 talked a bit about that yeah take yourself back to your 25 year old self Oh. Okay, take yourself back there, um, oh. and, and now, and now with the benefit of the years that have passed since then, what are you telling yourself? What do you say, Leslie? Chill out a bit more, Leslie. Oh. what are you actually saying to yourself? Oh
1: my goodness, there are so many things that I tell myself that twenty-five-year-old self. Uh, whoever yeah. said that youth is wasted on the young?
0: That was so right.
1: Oh, oh my goodness, so right. Yep. If I could have this knowledge with my 25-year-old opportunities yep. and all of that, oh, it would right and be spectacular. Well, the first thing I would tell my 25-year-old self is don't worry so much. Don't worry so much. Be more present in the moment, in the time that you have and what you are currently doing. Don't be so willing to chase after you know, opportunities or what it is you think you want. Just continue to be excellent yep. and opportunities will come to you. You don't have to worry so much and worry about what others are doing or chase things. It will come to you. Kind of like energy yep. attracts like energy. And so I would have put more energy into being present and being mindful and enjoying that time, recognizing that it goes so fast. I would have spent less time worrying about the future and more time enjoying what was currently happening, the present at the time. I would also remind myself that, you know, that that in life you will make some decisions that are going to impact you for the rest of your life. And so I might tell myself to be a little more cost conscious. Yeah. Because time goes so fast. I remember yep. being 25 thinking that I was going to retire at 45, because that seemed like forever. Yep. And the time has gone so fast that when I would hear people say, Oh, you know, my grandmother used to say, Like it says in the Bible, life is but a vapor. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard. Like every time she would say that, I'd be like, why do you say that? That is so untrue. And now I recognize completely why she said that, because it is true. And so I might tell myself, while I wouldn't be worried about things, I would recognize that because time is so fleeting, you want to take advantage of time while you have it. And so all the things that I thought I might put off, I would do them then. All the times where I thought, well, you know, I would put that off or I'll do that later, 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 I would do them now. And so those are some of the things that I would tell my younger self. I I think that the 25 year old Leslie did a lot of things right in terms of career moves and how I treated people and, and those kinds of things and decisions that I made. But all along the way, 25-year-old Leslie was fretting probably more than she should have and yep. thought she had way more time than what she probably, probably does.
0: Did. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Not too many people look back and say yep all that time I spent worrying that was time well spent I don't don't hear that much at all in fact I don't think I've ever heard it and when you're 25 I mean I have one 25 year old I have three kids between 21 and 25 and the eye rolls that I get when I espouse those very things when I talk about life being short and and you, you are you get the eye rolls and I think to myself you know what I think you're definitely right youth is wasted on the young and I just despite the advice that you Given that is absolutely spot on when you're 25, you just it's hard to hear. Correct. It's really hard to hear, Correct. especially from parents. You know, It's easier True. to hear from someone else because everyone's parent deaf. I was, <laughs> yes. I was parent I like deaf that. for a long parent time. Deaf. Yeah, yeah. I that is a,
1: that is definitely a, 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 a state of being, yeah, yeah. parent deaf. And that's, the, that's mm-hmm. the
0: really good thing about, well, and that's why you should have actually have other adult mentors around your children because they are typically parent deaf, but someone else says something and then suddenly, and they, and then they parrot it back to you and and then you do the eye ro- roll because you you know you've been saying that for the last so many yes, years. But yes. that's great advice. Tell me anything that's keeping you up at night now, Leslie. What keeps you up?
1: Truthfully, what keeps me up at night is college. Yeah, you know I have a son that's going to be headed to college next year, and a daughter that's right behind him, and a couple of years and really the cost of college is what keeps me up if i'm really being completely honest yep, yep. that it seems so well you know we will be able to afford college it just seems so patently unfair that young people who just want to continue their education have to be facing such debt yep. or even parents who yep. just want to have their kids continue their education have to be staring down the barrel of such debt to just continue to learn and grow. And so in that way, that's one of the things that I think about all the time, because that's what's currently facing me on a personal level. On a professional level, you know, this pandemic, for a lot of reasons, one, we've lost a lot of loved ones and people in our country. And so I feel, you know, badly about that. But I want to come out of this, I want NAMLF to come out of this pandemic, just in a robust way. It's our 20th year anniversary coming up in uh, October we're planning to celebrate in person in Baltimore. And as we sit here on May 4th, that's what we're still planning to do. And I am just hoping, I am creeping my yep. fingers crossed and praying every day that that is gonna still be able to happen because it would be so great to celebrate with all of our NAML firms and our corporation business partners and people who support us. Um, and it would be great for people to have be able to come out of this pandemic in a wonderful way and for us to celebrate. And so. I won't say it keeps me up at night per se, but I think about it all the time. I'm yes. thinking about it daily and hoping that uh, we will con- be able to continue to thrive, even despite the pandemic, and hopefully be able to get together in October. So that's something that's on my mind. So between college on yeah. this side <laughs> and you know the annual meeting and the pandemic on this side, that doesn't leave a lot of yeah. room for anything <laughs> else to keep me up because yeah. there's... A lot going on in here.
0: So, Leslie, I do wonder what 75-year-old Leslie would tell sure. the current Leslie and what advice she would give about the, and we all have it, about the stress, the worry, the pressures we're all facing. But it might be worthwhile thinking about what 75-year-old Leslie would actually would actually say. Well,
1: it's funny you should say that, yep. right? Because I guess 75-year-old Leslie would say the same thing <laughs> that, that- You know, I would tell 25 year old Leslie. So it sounds like you're doing a bit of psychology (laughs) on me because if we, you know, if we take that full circle, what I guess I should be saying is I'm not worried at all about how college is going to work out. It's all going to work out fine. Correct. I'm not worried at all about the annual meeting. I'm going to be present. It's all going to work out great. I'm going I'm going to be present.
0: I'm going to enjoy the kids. I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing with NAMLF because I know I'm making a difference. And I'm yes. not going to stress out.
1: Although you baited me when you said, "What's keeping me <laughs> yeah, up?" That's right, I did. But I guess you know, but that you know, I, I accept that. That's and right. I you take hear me, don't you, in Leslie? In the full spirit in yeah. which you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> said it, thank you for that, <laughs> Leslie
0: Davis, CEO of Namwolf, Thank you very much for joining me, and it's, it's been an absolute blast speaking to you. And the very best of luck for the future. I know you're going to make a massive impact.
1: Well thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It has been wonderful. When I when we depart from this, nice. I'm going to relax and not worry about one thing. Uh, And it's really been good to be able to be thoughtful about kind of my journey and the things that have impacted me, the people, the circumstances, and really bring it full circle to talk about NAMWOLF and the wonderful work that NAMWOLF does and how much of an impact NAMWOLF has on the profession and looking forward to being able to bring NAMWOLF firms and GCs and other folks together in a meaningful way so that we can increase that diversity in our legal profession.
0: Thank you so much, Lizzie. I'm so I'm so pleased we've been able to share that story here. Okay, bye-bye. Right. Take care. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.